Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. A little bit later, an hour and 20 or so minutes from right now, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports will join us. Look forward to talking to him and uh, get some thoughts on his picks going into the weekend. Also, Gabe Bach from texags.com will join us. I will ask him one question at 337 and uh, then I'll thank him for his time, and uh, we'll go on about the – that's how it works with Gabe, right? I mean, it's one question. He takes a big, deep breath. He talks for ten solid minutes, and we say, great talking with you, Gabe. Something along those lines. Now, look forward to uh, look forward to visiting with Gabe. Texas A&M coming off a big win, and they are scheduled to head to Starkville this weekend. You know the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that is actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. Noble. Cspire.com. Hello, boys. What's up? Little little Thursday afternoon. You had Wednesday night football last night. Pretty entertaining game. Yeah, uh, Billy Napier's Coast. Raging Cajuns went down to the Chanticleers in the best nickname battle in sports. Need more dogs. Can't play like yeah. cats. Yeah, Chanticleers get the win 30-27. to Led really for most of that game. It got tight late. But uh, Coastal Carolina able to hang on and get the win. They've got a couple of pretty good wins. That's... Um, would you make the argument that that is actually a better win than their road victory at Kansas? A home win yes. over Louisiana is yes. better than a road win at Kansas? Okay. Well, they, ULL they home is higher in the Kansas. Big 12 standings than Kansas. So, Yeah. That's a good point. All right. There's a lot to unpack this afternoon, and one thing that we did not get to yesterday that we've got to spend some time on, there were some big things that were handed down yesterday by the Division I Council that are going to be voted on in January, including the ability to transfer one time without penalty. One of the things that I'm curious about that is when that is adopted by the NCAA, will the SEC adopt it as well, even when it pertains to intra-conference transfers. It feels like they're going to have to because I would think that it would be a recruiting disadvantage if um, you could transfer anywhere going to any school, but then there were restrictions within the league if you went to an SEC school. We'll get into that. Also, a name, image, and likeness proposal from the NCAA to go forward as well. So uh, all of that's coming up this afternoon. 
We'll look closely at the games that are coming up this weekend. And we will uh, check in on some of our favorite blue checkmark columnists who are having a bit of a feeding frenzy after the news yesterday that Nick Saban is COVID positive. A little sampling. Pat Forty writes, column, Americans wanted football in a pandemic. Here it is. Nick Saban in isolation. The Patriots postponed and more problems on the way. It's messy at every level. Christine Brennan, the travesty of the 2020 college football season is now on full display as Nick Saban and the SEC find an opponent they can't beat. COVID-19, my column. Dan Wolken, who is the Joel he's that he's referencing? He's addressing Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. said yesterday that... Um, not Joel Coleman. Yeah, not Joel Coleman. And Joel Klatt's position was basically, I mean, shouldn't we kind of be pretty happy with how college football's gone so far? It's not perfect. There have been postponements. But so far, the players that have gotten it have been healthy, and we have played games. So shouldn't we be happy about that? This was his response. Dan Wolken writes, I'll give Joel credit here for getting down to brass tacks. As long as nobody dies, everything is fine. Go back and read the stories from April, May, June, July. Every single benchmark that college athletics leaders said were crucial to play a season were ignored when it became clear that those benchmarks were not going to be met. So, this is now the standard. I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it's like to wake up every single day of your life with two things on your mind. Number one, how can I advance my agenda? And number two, I am scared of my own shadow. Because that's what this is boiled down to. It's boiled down to fear and what I believe is more important than what anybody else believes. Because Pat Forty is smarter than you. And if you don't believe it, just ask him. I promise he will tell you. Christine Brennan is smarter than all of us and always has been. Don't believe it? Just read something she writes. It is crystal clear that she is smarter than you, and she knows what is best for you. And certainly, for the game of college football, do not ever for one second forget that she has a diploma from Northwestern University. Don't forget it. And, oh, Dan Wolken. He is smarter than you. He thinks better than you. He understands better than you. He wakes up in the morning and says, I know what is best for everyone in the United States, especially when it comes to college football, because I, I, Dan Wolken, am the lead college football columnist at USA Today. You got it? That makes me smarter than you. 
And if you disagree with me, you are wrong. And you don't have the platform that I have. No, if you were smarter than me, you would be the lead columnist for college football at USA Today. But you're not. See, that's what these people are telling you. They're telling you that you don't know. You're not as smart. They've got it figured out. I wonder what it's like to wake up every single morning and let fear be the biggest driver in your life. Because that's all this is. It's fear. And I, I, I'm i not even entirely sure what the fear is. There are still unknowns with COVID-19. There is a great deal of tragedy that goes along with COVID-19. Yes, the overwhelming number of people who have contracted this virus have recovered. The death rate for people really under the age of 60 is minuscule. But that doesn't make the 200,000-plus people who have passed away either as a direct result of COVID-19 or with COVID-19 any less tragic. Every person who lost their life during this pandemic because of this virus, it's a tragedy. It's also a tragedy when somebody contracts the flu and has complications with it and dies. It's also a tragedy when someone is involved in a car crash that is not their fault and dies. It is also a tragedy when somebody contracts this awful disease that we all know is cancer that has taken someone that every single one of us love. It is a tragedy. But we don't stop our lives. We don't shut down our economy. We don't end commerce, and we don't live in fear every single waking moment because we might get the flu and complications might arise of it as a result, and sometimes those complications might lead to death. We don't not get in our cars because there is a potential that we might get into a crash and lose our lives. We don't stop eating processed food because perhaps that leads to cancer. We don't avoid electrical lines because some people say that cancer is transmitted from the whatever that goes through the electrical lines. We don't avoid everything. We try to live our lives in a smart way. We take calculated risks every single day in every single thing we do. We don't stop living. But these people, they don't just want college football to stop. If you believe that, you're crazy. They want to stop the world as we know it and let somebody else control you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. You know it. Ceasefire text lines open, 601-879-4395. We want to hear from you, but sometimes you can't remember the number. Save it in your phone. Just save it in there as uh, Sports Talk text line, Ceasefire text line. 
save it as yell at Richard, Borky is dumb, make Haydad laugh. I don't care how you save it, just save the number. 601-879-4395. Shoot us a text anytime between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m., and we will see it, and uh, we'll read some of them on the air. A lot of you were kind and said nice things about that. Um, I just, just weary, man. We've been living with this virus since the 12th of March. And here we are on the 15th of October. Knocked out a little over half a year. And we've got to, uh, we got to roll with it. We got to roll on with life. And I applaud what Greg Sankey and the SEC have done. I applaud what the Big 12 have done, what the ACC has done. And frankly, even though they got it really, really wrong for a while, I'm glad that the Big Ten kind of came to their senses, and the Pac-12 did too. And the Mountain West Conference, everybody, they all came back. Even the MAC, who was the first to shut it down, is coming back soon. It's going to be complicated. It has already been complicated. We made it through three weeks with seven games scheduled, and we played 21 games in three weeks in the SEC. There were seven games scheduled this week. At best, we're going to have five. It's possible that it's four. It's possible that it's three. I I don't know. We'll see. But, and I have beat this drum for a long time, Major League Baseball is the model. Others are following suit. Now, the NBA completely isolated. They went with a bubble, and Borky, it wasn't zero positive test results, but it was like three in three months or something like that. And not a single player. So they had people that were on the grounds that had it, but Mm -hmm. because of what they did, uh, they could um, fix it. What what blew my mind about uh, 40's column in particular was citing the New England Patriots as uh, like a failure in this. When, if you look at the Patriots situation, shouldn't that be exactly what we were hoping for? So they test them all the time, and they found that they had a player that had a positive test. It just so happened to be Cam Newton. They shut the facility down, tested everybody. They even had to move a game. But they shut the facility down for a little while. They tested everybody just to make sure it wasn't spreading to the other players. It didn't. They get the okay to return to practice, and they have a game on Sunday. And Cam Newton will be the starting quarterback in that game. Is that not what should be considered a success story during COVID. It worked perfectly. The NFL's protocols and everything for the Patriots worked perfectly, and their season gets to continue, and they don't miss a game, and it was only one player, and he's healthy enough to start on Sunday. All good. Yep. Mike Norvell, head coach at Florida State, missed a game. He did. And now he's back. Les Miles had to go into quarantine. Nick Saban in quarantine right now. We get a uh, a text message. Will Saban have access to the sidelines via social media, cell phone, etc.? The answer to that is no. There is a rule in place, and earlier this season, Steve Shaw, who used to be coordinator of of, of officials in the SEC and is now the national coordinator of officials, interpreted that rule earlier this year to say, if you are not in the press box or on the field, then you can't have any impact on coaching the game. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's basically what his interpretation of the rule said. And so the option for Nick Saban on Saturday is either 
to be at the stadium, isolated all by himself in a box, in which he can perform all the coaching duties possible from that box, or he's going to sit it out and his staff is going to handle it. He cannot zoom in at halftime. Zoom, I guess, has now become a noun and an adjective. I'm sorry, a noun and a verb. He cannot jump on a Zoom call and communicate with his team or his coaching staff at halftime, although I'm not really sure how they would police that. He cannot text Steve Sarkeesian at halftime. He cannot jump on any other kind of a video conference he can't call. He's either at the stadium or he's not. And if he is not at the stadium, his communication with anybody in his program has to end 90 minutes before kickoff. And it cannot resume until the clock reads triple zeros at the end. Or he can be in the stadium. He can run practices via Zoom. That's what he did yesterday, and I assume that's what he's doing today as well. He can give the pregame speech while they're still at the hotel before they head to the stadium. But once his team gets to the stadium, he's done, unless he is there. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see if ultimately they decide to put him there. I know we talked a little bit about that yesterday. You guys said not a good idea. I've kind of changed my tune on that, though. I've thought about it, and while I I don't think they're going to do that because, you know, the optics would be bad, but what's the harm in rolling him up there in a hazmat suit? I mean, it'll be goofy, but he had. it'd be different if he had symptoms, right? If he was actually sick, then you don't send him up there. But today, I mean, just another statement came out today. He, right now, is showing no symptoms. So if he feels good, get him a hazmat suit, roll him up in the box. Who cares about optics? I, I'm sick of it. So let him drive himself. That's what I was saying yesterday, Bert. I know, Who but, cares? And the I mean, optics gonna, will, all... it will be bad, but give him one of these suits and let him sit up in the press box with a headset on underneath the hazmat suit. I think that would be hilarious knowing that he's not sick at all. Well, and I don't think it's got to be a hazmat suit. I mean, the guy goes into the stadium with double masks and a face shield, and they send him up. You know, he gets to the stadium four hours before kickoff when nobody's there yet. They run him up in an elevator. They put him in a box all by himself. Preferably one that has a restroom in it. If it doesn't, they put a porta potty in there and put a curtain behind it where he can go behind the curtain and do whatever he needs to do. They put some snacks in there, and he can operate from there. And then he's got to stay for an hour after the game's over until the press box and suite area clears completely out. And then they run him down in the elevator, or he runs himself down in the elevator, gets in his car, and drives home. Oh, well, that looks terrible. What do you, what, what, what does it look? I don't even understand the idea of the optics of it are terrible. What are the optics? It's about isolation. Oh, but but he but he is. He is taking it seriously. He's isolating. He's away from everybody. That's taking it seriously. That's what you got to do when you get this deal. I mean, we had no issue with uh, uh, Chris Cuomo doing whatever it is that he does for CNN from his basement while he was sick. Also. going on a bike ride with his family while he was supposed to be in quarantine. But, you know, they're allowed to do that. Somebody said, what's the worst thing that could happen? Coach from a hospital bed on live TV? I mean, <laughs> in fairness, this is different than Hugh Freeze. Borky pointed out yesterday, um, you know, a, a back issue is not contagious. Staff is contagious, which led to the issues that he was having, but nevertheless. Um, 
We Somebody need to says, speak the hazmat suit into existence, though. Uh, don't don't shoot that down. Let's just talk about it until it happens. I, I still think he needs to wear the uh, the Big Owl <laughs> costume. How great would that image be, though? Could you imagine like that little live look in Alabama, Georgia, kicks off in an hour and a half, and you see the B-roll of Nick Saban walking in to the stadium in a hazmat suit? <laughs> yeah. Would it be houses? <laughs> somebody says symptoms aren't contagious the virus is yeah we, we get it but the point is if he's asymptomatic he doesn't feel poorly probably right that's the point is if you feel well enough to coach and you can honestly protect everybody else then do it I mean, it's either him being in the stadium, pacing back and forth, pissed off, or him being in his living room, pacing back and forth, pissed off. What's the difference? Larry and Jackson says the silly ship sailed long ago on this mess. Mike in Oxford says, imagining them having a road game and the home team providing him a box and filling it with Pepsi products. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the other story that came out about this, by the way? What did his I miss? Mask was de- his mask was designed by an Auburn alum. Ooh. Like, evidently, they got one of the top mask makers in the country is an Auburn alum. So. Look. I just love that. I know there's no yeah. chance of that, but it's just Oh, funny. no. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. But. It's not even about whether the guy wears a mask or doesn't wear a mask. The reality is COVID is everywhere. And you either get it or you don't. I think the odds are we're probably, probably most of us at some point are going to end up testing positive for COVID-19. At some point along the way. Either you have, you've got it right now, or you're going to get it, or maybe you're going to be one of the lucky ones that just doesn't. Whether it's because you got a great immune system you were abundantly cautious. You took all the precautions. But there are a lot of people that are taking all the precautions and they're still ending up COVID positive. I mean, I watched Nick Saban do his, his post-game TV show 15, 50 feet from where I was set up for the post-game radio show the other night. And they were doing social distancing. They're being careful. It just happens. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Gabe Bach from texags.com. Gabe, it has been far too long. How are you, my friend? Doing quite well, Richard. Always a good week. Always a good day when I get to hear from you. So, absolutely, man. I, I figured I would hear from you sooner or later here this week and maybe – Maybe about five weeks from now when what I think and predict is going to be a pretty white-hot Rebels team coming into Kyle Field. But, hey, we got our, if you're an A&M fan, you got your hands. We can't be looking ahead to corral in that offense. you got your hands full trying to figure out the conundrum, the mystery wrapped in an enigma inside a riddle that is Mike Leach in general, A, and B, his offense right now. All right, I got to know an answer. Before we get to that. 102,733. That is the listed capacity for Kyle Field post-renovation. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you think were actually (laughs) there on Saturday? I've heard people say, oh, there were 70,000. There weren't 70,000 there. But there certainly weren't 25,000 there either. 
Nah, you know what? It's interesting. When you're on the field, and, and let me tell you something, Rich, Richard, I have been blessed. One of the, And I know you and your position and your love for Ole Miss and your connection to that school, you've gotten to do some amazing things. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you there are a thousand listeners right now, minimum, that would love to be on the sidelines part of the broadcast. Love to. Uh, one of the things I've gotten to do, and I've got all expenses paid trip to El Salvador to speak at what we call Aggie Muster. It happens on the same day every year. You honor the Aggies who passed away, and you just celebrate being an Aggie. All kinds of cool stuff. I know that. Like, we are totally lucky. And I don't know why it happened, but we got lucky. And and uh, one of the things I got incredibly blessed to do was when Kyle Field first got renovated, the very first home game was against Lamar, and I was asked to give a speech at Midnight Yell, and which is amazing. Midnight Yell is what separates A and M. It's literally a pep rally. We don't call it that. We call it Yell practice. But it's at midnight. And I don't care if the game's at eleven the next day. They're just going to stay up, and they're yep. going to pack at least thirty thousand into Kyle Field at midnight for a glorified pep rally. It's pretty amazing. Like how many people would? How many schools could pull it off? They do it every game, no matter the school. So it was Lamar. It was the first game. I got asked to give the speech. Only one person per week gets asked to do it. Pretty amazing. And, um, you know, and there was – it felt like it was packed. It, it really did from the angle. And then I saw a picture, and I'm like, oh, well, it really wasn't as packed as I thought. I mean, it was. There were – there might have been 40, 40 or 50,000 people there all-encompassing, counting the end zones and everything else. But – there were definitely huge pockets in that student section, but when you're down there on that angle and you've been to stadiums where they're right on top and you can't tell where the holes are, you're like, shoot, I only thought 60,000 showed up to this thing, but it looks like it's packed. Yeah. And it looked on the field to Mullen, I guarantee you, like it was a packed house. But if you go back and look at some of the B-roll, I mean, just, just let's be real. If there were 25,000, it was just, you know, there weren't very many at all. It's just where it was dispersed, Right. It might have been 25%. I can't say it wasn't. The official capacity was, what, what are they now, 25,000, something like that. I actually think I have it over here, man. But, and, but <laughs> you know, it's where it's dispersed. Almost none in the end zones. The Definitely the old ag section, the, the, the former student section, was properly dispersed in terms of your groups here, and then there might be a six-foot gap, and then a group. Students aren't necessarily like that, but I'll tell you, go, look, go watch a Cotton Bowl game uh, the other day. The game in the old Cotton Bowl, Texas OU, those students did the exact same thing, and they just packed in on their side of it to try to create atmosphere. And I, I, I absolutely, a and <laughs> student section did as much of that as they could. I'll tell you what, they created atmosphere. They absolutely created atmosphere there. So it, who knows? I mean, I, I think it's probably 25,000, 30,000 people there just guessing. It's just there was so much concentration on that one side, which obviously you're going to put your student section by the visitors, and that's exactly what happened. It did. It was loud, man. It was extremely loud. Yeah. And I expect this Saturday to be loud because I don't know what state. Are they 25%? Well, that's 50% cowbell because you can guarantee they're going to double fist and they'll create a 50% <laughs> cowbell effect in Stark <laughs> Vegas. And you, you add on to that the Mad Pirate who's given A&M fits. I think they beat him twice ever. He's given A&M all kinds, maybe three times. But he's given A&M all kinds of fits throughout history. And I think there's a... a firm level of nervousness among the A&M fan base because of the Pirate and Starkville, which is what A&M's one and three in Starkville since joining the SEC. Gabe, did the Aggies turn a corner, especially in the second half against Florida on Saturday? 
I think they did. I really think they found a, a real identity with Isaiah Spiller. And this kid, outside of Lynn Bowden, he was the second leading rusher yards per carry last year in an eight-man box or more, in a stack box. Where he did it with a really banged up and, and not overly talented by any stretch offensive line last year. And the quarterback struggled for the most part, other than showing flashes, certainly the Georgia game. There was uh, Mississippi State last year, he was good, but there were moments. But Spiller, as a freshman, he had 37 yards his first 26 carries against the SEC, and then he just kind of blew up. It was really good in the two games against the two Mississippi schools. You saw the coming out party in Oxford last year. The kid's fantastic. Right now, he's first in the SEC in yards per carry. He's first in yards per carry after contact. In fact, he's been hit, getting hit, you know, within the first yard most on most carries. But he, he you saw what he did to Ventrell Miller, one of the best linebackers in the SEC. He's, he's first insane. in the SEC and and missed force and forced missed tackles. He's broken seventeen tackles already this year in three games. He's fantastic. And so when it when all hell was breaking loose and you know, AM calling some weird timeouts and AM looking undisciplined and AM having you know, uh, unsportsmanlike penalties on, and, and, and personal foul, a personal foul penalty, illegal hands to face, which wipes away a pick. In a game like that, you lose when you do silly stuff like that. That's when Jimbo said, Spiller, Spiller, Spiller. And he went Spiller about five times in a row, and then he gave him a breather and put a Nia Smith in. So there's a lightning, a thunder and lightning situation there. And with a nice, you literally play him all over. He started in the slot. He plays in the backfield. He lines up at H-back sometimes, just off and behind one of the tackles on either side, and he's an incredible blocker at five foot eight, probably 185 pounds. He just got that juice about him. He's got a lot of a dog, the way he plays. And yeah, let me ask you this about the receivers. Zone. As part yeah. of that offense, it felt like Caleb Chapman kind of had a coming out party. How big of a deal is. is that? Um, it's huge. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. The guy, when Jamon Osmond opted out and Cam Buckley got hurt, those were the only two senior receivers you had. You had these two guys, Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers, had no business going pro early, yet they went undrafted, and I don't think they're playing any sort of football right now. They're at home watching football like you and me. Hezekiah Jones had a, a Achilles injury last year. I don't know what's giving him fits, but he did get re, he got injured. I don't think it was an Achilles, but he had another injury he's still dealing with. That's your only junior. So you're talking about the entire receiving core is nothing but sophomores and freshmen who had a combined six catches in 2019. And then Chapman has this coming out party, like you said. I think I think Chase Lane's better than Jamon Osmond. I think he's got a lot more wiggle to him. He's He gets open a lot better. He's got better run after the catch ability. Jamon was tough and physical, and he's got good hands, ran good routes, but those plays were dead on contact. I mean, as soon as Jamon caught the ball, they're dead right there. It wasn't yards after the catch. In fact, a lot of it was unforced, just sliding at the catch situation, you know, head scratchers. Chase has got a lot more juice to him. In fact, he could have been a track athlete at A&M. So I like that. He's wearing the same number, number two. I think he's an upgrade, but he's a freshman. Right, you're a freshman. It takes him a little while. And uh, so, yeah, when you get Chapman, he goes nine for 151. You've had a world of trouble with deep balls in the Mond era. Just didn't, you almost didn't try them. They tried him the other day, hit two to him, 49 and 51, one of them for a touchdown. Then he gets injured his second knee injury in two calendar years, about 25 months. That's very concerning. So now you think about, okay, well, we're going with a freshman. We're going, if you're Jimbo, what are you going to do there? You got Chase Lane. You already have had the, 
predominantly play Anaya Smith back in the slot, and now you're just trying to spitball and figure it out. They do have Demon Demas, five stars play generally. There's a reason they're five stars, but he didn't play last year in high school football. He uh, because the UIL kind of screwed him over. But that's a 20 minute conversation we're not time for today. And so no, he we don't. Two years football. Football is hard enough. He hadn't played in two years. So, and if he can't get off uh, against A and M's corners in practice, then he's probably not getting off against Mississippi State. I know they're young but talented corners. A and M's really struggling past defense. So he proved it in practice to get your opportunity. Huge loss. I love what they have at receiver. I love that they use Anais in so many ways. Mon was fantastic in the Florida game. Best game he's ever had, start to finish, no question. But can he do it again? He's been just mind-numbingly inconsistent in his career. I love the tight end, Weidemeyer. They're very banged up there, though, behind him. And uh, so you, you lean on the identity that was formed in the third quarter against Florida. Hand the ball to 28, mix it around to Anais and your tight end, and take a shot if you can. The problem is, the guy they're taking shots to is now out for the year. Mm. You're the best, Gabe. I will uh, send an oxygen tank so you can uh, catch your breath after that. It is always <laughs> fun to visit with you, and uh, hope we can do it again soon. We'll see what happens in Stark Vegas, man. I know you. I tell you this, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It always is with Mike Leach. Certainly is going to be interesting. Gabe Bach from TexAgs.com visiting with us. On the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We don't do a lot of birthday shout-outs, but here's one that deserves to happen today. John Cox, the radio play-by-play voice at Southern Miss, who has uh, been doing that job for, uh, well, longer than Michael Borky's been alive. And is really good at it. I mean, loves it, loves his craft, works hard to even, what, 40 years into doing it, continue to get better, and uh, just a super guy. Happy birthday, John. I don't know how many. Not going to ask. Doesn't matter. Tis day. Hope, uh, hope he enjoys it. Southern Miss Baseball Twitter account put that out there. So uh, John Cox with a, uh, a birthday today. I always laugh at our conversations with Gabe Bach. Love, love talking to him. I'm not sure there's anybody that knows A&M better than Gabe. <laughs> he just doesn't breathe when he talks. And he doesn't uh, stop. We could pre-record that interview and have two hours of show to work with. Yeah, it's a good point. So, hey, Dad. I might do that here in a few weeks, make my day easier. Hey, Dad, he um, talks about Isaiah Spiller. And what he means to the offense for Texas A&M. And they're kind of being a new identity for uh, for Texas A&M. On the year, 46 carries, 325 yards. He's averaging almost 7 yards a carry, a couple of touchdowns. 105 yards a game. Can that approach work against Mississippi State? It's strength on strength for sure. Mississippi State's been really good against the run so far this year. You look at Kentucky rushing for over 400 yards against Ole Miss, and they were they were held under 100 yards uh, against Mississippi State. Arkansas ran the ball pretty successfully against Auburn. Uh, LSU wasn't able to run the ball against Mississippi State. So State's defense has been really good against the run, and Spiller, like like Gabe said, one of the better backs in the SEC. So if that's the approach, if that's the game plan, they're definitely going to you know it's going to be uh, you know strength on strength for sure.
Can it work? I'm at the point now where I think State's defense is good. Three straight performances where they, they've played really well. I feel like it's, it's not a fluke anymore. Um, but that said, sort of like what we talked about yesterday, eventually there's going to come a day where they don't play well. I don't know if this is it or not. Um, I'm more, I, I would be more worried about Mond and what he can do in the passing game. I think State's pretty good against the run. I think you know Errol Thompson is just a solid middle linebacker. Davis and Wheat, Brule, that linebacking core has been really good for them this year. Crumity has been good in the middle. He's not Jeff Simmons, but you know he's he's been really good. So yeah, I think they can slow. I, I don't know if you know, stop is is a, is a big word because I mean he rushed for 176 yards last week, but can you hold him to 100 yards? You know, or maybe you know 90 yards? Yeah, I think State can do that. Admittedly. I have been able to watch very little of Mississippi State because the time for, for 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 whatever reason the Bulldogs and the Rebels have been playing at the exact same time every week. Yeah, it's just kind of how it has worked out so far, and it's going to be the case again this week. So that three three five defense that that we've talked so much about that Zach Arnett's done a great job with so far is it the defensive linemen that are making it go? Or is it the linebackers that are making it go? Or is it some symphony of those two together that is making it work? They're working well in concert with with each other. You know, I mean, three three five. You got to think your, your your guys up front are more about eating up blockers and letting those linebackers make plays, and that and that's been the case. Brule, Davis, Wheat, and Errol Thompson have been really good this year. But Kobe Jones has been really good at defensive end. Um, I think you know he's been he's played well. Jaden Crumney, Nathan Pickering. That's the other thing too is state's state's depth has been pretty good this year. There hasn't been a lot of drop off when they go to that second defensive line of of Pickering, Aaron Odom, and, and Jack Harris. So they, they're just they've played well as as a unit. Um, they tackle well too. You know, there's not a lot of missed tackles with Mississippi State so far this year. When they when they get their hands on their own ball carriers, they do a pretty good job of bringing them down. So. They've been fundamentally sound. They, they they don't miss a lot of tackles, and and they, they're maybe a little bit more talented than we gave them credit for. It's been it's been a good combination so far. Yeah. When you look at Texas A and M's defense, do you think they've got the combination of skill and discipline to play zone and kind of keep it in front, make those tackles in the open field, and make Mississippi State? Make play after play after play after play after play on a long sustained drive and not give up the home run balls. And Mike Elko loves man coverage, but I would be really surprised if we see a lot of that this weekend. Um, the the inter- I, I did an interview today and I used the term war of attrition. So that's what that's going to be. It's going to be who who decides I can't take this anymore. I'm going to gamble here first. The one who does that's probably going to lose. So we'll yeah. see who it is. I, I think A and M. Mike Elko is a great coordinator. He'll have his guys ready. They'll be ready to play the long game with Mississippi State. I think it's a fascinating matchup. It feels like, and I mean, you know, you start saying somebody's do, and that's your rationale, you, you yeah. end up looking dumb. But it feels like there's enough talent on this Mississippi State offense that they should be better than they have been the last two weeks. Yeah. We'll see if they are, or if this game plan that is out there for slowing them down and stopping them is replicable three consecutive weeks. Sports Talk Mississippi, just after 4 o'clock Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation? 
Of course you do. And we want you to be. Ceasefire text line, that's the way to do it. 601 879 4395. Want double the data for the same dang price? Now all prepaid by Ceasefire plans get double the high speed data through the end of the year. So what are you waiting for? I mean, like, like you're literally burning time on the calendar. Get double the data. No bull. Just better wireless. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash prepaid. So the NCAA was busy yesterday. Division One Council made their recommendations. Got some stuff going up for vote in January. One of those things is the ability to transfer once without penalty that would go into effect August of 2021. So next August, starting with the you know the next academic year, we'll get to that in a second. But they also put together a proposal, latest draft on how to govern athlete compensation. Members of the Division One Council are expected to approve the uh, propose, uh, Sorry, they approved the proposal yesterday. Formal approval, though, will not come until January. Sports Illustrated got a copy of the 22-page document, which details the NCAA legislation based on the new NIL concepts developed by the NCAA D1 Name, Image, and Likeness Legislative Solutions Group. That would be the NILLSG. Nobody does acronyms like the NCAA. Or the nils <laughs> But is it a J sound or a G sound? Is that hard G or soft G? It's a hard G. Like GIF. With hard G. So, What's the last word stand for? Group. Then you got to go with whatever G is there. So, nils The legislation grants athletes the right to use their name, image, and likeness to do these things. Promote private lessons and business activities and operate their own camps and clinics as long as they do not use school marks. I love that. No problem with that. I don't see how anybody can. And if I'm a college baseball player, I'm giving giving hitting lessons. Throughout the fall, mm-hmm. some in the summer, could be hard if you're off playing summer ball somewhere. And, I and how will affect that? I, I wonder. I, I think that's a reasonable question to ask, Kato. Because if, because if, if like I can stay home and make money, why wouldn't I do that? Depends on what the limit is on mom and dad's credit card, I imagine. Perhaps. Just think how but much no, let, let, Jake Mangum let, let, could have had in his say, pocket. From the Jake Mangum hitting camp for four years. Oh, goodness. A lot. Yeah. And that's who I was going to use an example. Yeah. Jake grew up in Pearl? He's from Pearl, yeah. Yeah. So let's say Jake goes home in the summer, and he wants to do two camps. The Jake Mangum baseball camp. And one's focused on hitting and one's focused on fielding, or maybe they're both, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he goes and he rounds up either some high school baseball player, players or some assistant coaches from other high schools or whatever, however he wants to do it. Puts together a staff and brings in 100 kids at 
two hundred bucks a head. Yeah, that's real money. Yeah, whatever the number is. Yeah, and it's a a three day camp or a four day camp. Let's say they go Monday from nine to one, Tuesday from nine to one, Wednesday from nine to one, and Thursday they go nine to eleven thirty. We're not providing meals. We're not providing any lodging. You just show up at nine. We have the camp. There you go. Maybe you do it eight to noon, so you don't feel like you got to provide lunch. Eat breakfast yeah. before you come. We're going eight to noon, four straight days. You get sixteen hours of instruction. You play some games. You do one-on-one time with Jake. You get to take a picture that you can buy if you're interested. Mm-hmm. And he nets twenty thousand dollars, and he does that twice in the summer. Yeah, that's forty grand. Yeah, that's there would be an argument not to go. No, no, I, I, that's what I was going to say. There would be a legitimate argument not to go to play for Falmouth. Not only that, but how much does that affect the university's camps? Could. Yeah. Could some. Which I don't have a problem with. I mean, you know, offer a better product if you want to, you know, you got some competition now. Yeah. And you think about Jake, I mean, Jake's a big enough name. Like, it could have been Jake Mangum there with Thomas Dillard and, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the, the big bat. Who was the kid at, at who at Southern a couple years ago? Walner? Matt Walner? Yes. Imagine all three of them. They're just running a camp together. I mean, okay. You, I mean, you got it. You talk, and they just, we're just going to split the we'll split the money three ways when we're done. There you go. Yeah. But and, and and let's say it's the same number. I mean, you're talking about you know after expenses, they're they're clearing ten twelve thousand ahead. Yeah. For a week, it's pretty good money in the summer. Does that level the playing field somewhat with Vanderbilt? I understand that Vanderbilt is an SEC program. They have fans. They're national championship winning. However, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have more of them. Do you think that just by logic, more fans means more opportunities for me to do stuff like this, and that could balance the scholarship advantage they have? Like yes and no, because Vanderbilt could do it too. I know they don't have as sure. many fans, but but they have the name brand recognition that people would want to go. And you know, people out who aren't like diehard fans would still want to go to the Vanderbilt baseball camp or whatever the Kumar yeah. Rocker camp or whatever it is. But but here's where I think this is valuable. I don't think it's valuable in the town in which you play. Yeah, I think it's valuable when you go home to Pearl or you go home to Gulfport. Or yeah. you go home to Birmingham, uh, uh, to Birmingham, yeah. you know, wh- wherever that is, and then you, you kind of leverage your high school celebrity status with what you've done in college to bring people in, and it gives you a cool opportunity. That was only one of the things. Yeah. Number two, profit from endorsing products through commercials and other ventures, as long as they do not use any school marks. Or reveal the school in which they attend. I've actually got a problem with that. I don't have a problem with not using the school marks, but not being able to reveal the school in which you attend? Well, can the school you attend use your face and your name to promote people to come to their games? Yep. Come on. I I get that, but at the same time. I mean, if you you tell me you you, you you can't wear. Yeah. You just wear one of those generic maroon and white jerseys that, you know, people wear nowadays are red and blue. And, you know, you probably make like a little wink, wink remark about, you know, bulldog tenacity or something. I don't know. But, yeah. But, I mean, there's no reason that, um, that Matt Corral can't say, hey, this is Matt Corral. 
Well, okay, here's the way around it. If that stays in, hey, this is Matt Corral. You may recognize me from the football field, but today I'm here to tell you about fill in the blank. It's the way around it. Yeah. I mean, that that's no different than if I were endorsing a product and, and had like a, a direct sponsorship with a company. I couldn't use Ole Miss or ESPN or Super Talk yeah. to promote that, but well, I could say, hey, it's Richard Cross. You may recognize my name or my voice from television or radio, but right. I'm here today to tell you about There's There's a lot of... A lot of products that do that with pro athletes because they don't want to pay the licensing fee to have exactly. that Yankees cap or that Lakers jersey, and so they just like the things with Shaq, where he's just wearing like a, a jersey. You know, he they just don't want to pay that. So yeah, and 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 this wording from the NCAA that might be what that is, is more than that might be more that is more than trying to limit the athlete is you know you're gonna have to pay the licensing fees to say Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and companies might not want to do that. Yeah. They are only allowed to refer to their involvement in intercollegiate athletics generally, according to the documents. Players can be compensated for autograph sessions as long as they do not occur during an institution event or competition and no school marks or apparel is used during the sale of the material. So, for example, uh... Who's the most recognizable basketball player right now at Mississippi State? At Mississippi State? Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be DJ another Weatherspoon there, right? Or... No, there's not right now. DJ Stewart, maybe? Well, uh, I think you're better off. Let's do it this way. Let's let's let's, let's rewind to when Dak was playing. Actually, the, the real can... answer is Rakia Jackson, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. I mean, she just is. Dak can go and do an autograph session. Mm-hmm. At Strange Brew Coffee, where he mm-hmm. signs eight by ten glossies of him wearing a sport coat or a maroon T-shirt or whatever, he can sign a football, right? He can sign a football. Yeah, sign your coffee mug, but but he can't, can't sign, sign Mississippi State stuff. specific gear that is being sold, and he can't do it in the concourse while a Mississippi State basketball game is going on. We'll talk more about this next. On Super Talk Mississippi. Promise you we'll get back to the name, image, likeness conversation, what athletes can do, and the restrictions, the things that they can't do, that they can't endorse. Some of those are maybe a little ridiculous. But right now, we will go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. You know him, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Lee, let's just jump right in and you tell people how they can get your picks online at paramountsports.com. Well, how about this? Uh, don't have to invest a whole lot in the future. How about this? Seven games this weekend, $77 combined Saturday and Sunday. We have Four big ones on Saturday, three on Sunday, so you don't have to, you know, invest in a month or a season. And we've won five or six weeks, which has not been easy uh, to navigate with all these cases. In fact, two of our biggest plays the last couple of weeks uh, were taken off the board and still had uh, big winning weeks. So we hit our 45-unit play last week in the NFL, 
49-15-1 now on those going back the last 12 years. It's all available. Even the UFC, I do a, an MMA podcast now, so we're, I'm an MMA specialist. We've won 21-26 cards there also. Just check it out, ParamountSports.com. ParamountSports.com, seven games for 77 bucks this weekend on the uh, the picks that he made on this show last week. Lee went three and two. Let's talk about some of these games. Ole Miss is at Arkansas, and the Rebels are a favorite on the heels of putting up 48 against Alabama and covering the big number last week. Rebels a favorite on the road. Arkansas has been playing pretty well and should have not just covered but won outright last week. Yeah, I mean, you have to be impressed with what they're doing there. Uh, just shows you they were just playing way under their potential. Now, they had a good scheme last week, playing the three-two-six defense, stopped Mississippi State. Um, uh, Mississippi State just fails to, to try to be balanced at all, and and, and uh, I think it also helped uh, them also. We're finding out that K.J. Costello is more of a pro-set quarterback, so trying to fit him in and receivers that you know can't stretch the field, that was a problem. But Ole Miss can run the football. If they're patient and they just got to keep their defense off the field here, uh, they've run for 268, 139, and 170. Uh, so if they're patient and do that, I think you've got to follow the game plan here. Now, Felipe Franks uh, has played better, uh, five touchdowns, no interceptions the last two weeks. But I- I've seen this act before. I've seen Felipe Franks, and uh, you just got to get him uh, playing from behind, and then he'll, 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 he'll take chances and usually throw a few interceptions here. And Ole Miss is on a 10-4-1 spread run here. I think Ole Miss is the right side, 45-38. 45-38, high scoring again, yep. as most would expect, but Ole Miss covering on the road against Arkansas. Man, this next one is interesting to me. Texas A&M, almost a touchdown favorite. Six and a half, I think, is where it stands right now, in Starkville against Mississippi State. The Aggies, especially the second half last week, played really well against Florida. Two weeks in a row, it's been rough going for the Mississippi State offense. Does that change this weekend? Well, you're saying to yourself, is this a trap like the Florida game? Almost the same exact line. If you see it coming down, then you you might want to stay off it. But um, Mississippi State's offense, you know, just it's stuck in the sand right now. They've gone from 44 to 14 to really no offensive points in the last game. And as I said, you know, K.J. Costello, I think he's a pro-set quarterback. I think the receivers, um, not a whole lot of talent. Uh, not able to stretch the field, not able to do much, even when they catch the ball uh, with it afterwards. So that's a problem. Isaiah Spiller for A&M, they've been looking for that bell cow running back, and I think they found the guy. Uh, Spiller, 174 rushing yards last week, two touchdowns. He looks comfortable. I think it's two programs going in opposite directions here. I think this is one of those games you just can't overthink it here. Uh, I'm going to take uh, A&M here, 30-20. to 20. 30 to 20, Texas A&M covers the number. And, and that six and a half point spread that we referenced, referenced a second ago kind of depends on where you look. There are places where it is as low as five. Right. So that could give you a, a little bit more wiggle room. There is uh, a fairly big game that is uh, on CBS on Saturday night. Number three, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. Bama is a favorite in the game, but. Pretty big news that we got yesterday with uh, yep. Nick Saban and the uh, the COVID diagnosis. Did you see the text I sent you a few minutes ago, Richard? I did. 
The Nick Saban meme with the uh, the Fu Manchu is making its way around the internet. Yeah, um, you got to think. I know he's not allowed to contact his team, and that's the most foolish rule. Ninety minutes before the game and or during the game, but you got to think he's going to have contact with someone. That person might be sitting in the first row of the stadium, and he, you know, if it comes to fourth and one, he's going to want some input. So. That'll be interesting. Maybe I'd love to see a camera on him sitting on his couch or in his bed watching the game. That'd be great. But um, uh, great matchup here. Number two offense in Alabama, 51 points per game against the number two defense in Georgia, allowing just 12 points per game battle of Titans. Uh, uh, you got to run on Georgia to be successful, and Auburn and Tennessee couldn't. Uh, I think Alabama's offensive line is a cut above them, and, and Najee Harris, uh, you know, first possible first-round pick. So, I don't think anyone's going to run for 200 yards on them, but they can reach the century mark, maybe put up 125, 135 yards on them. And if they can, then they're going to be able to go up top to their top two receivers. And uh, even though Georgia has some really good DBs, I don't know if you can hold back this offense. So uh, who knows what's going on with the defense? I mean, defense is all about emotion and effort, and just didn't see that from Bama. They must have been looking ahead uh, we're going to find out real soon what the case is. But if it comes down to quarterback play, I like Mac Jones here versus a game manager like Stetson Bennett here. I like Bama. Roll Tide, 34-23. 34-23. So it doesn't matter if you get it at six or if you get it at four right. and a half, wherever it is. Yeah. Uh, you got Alabama as a double-digit winner against Georgia in Tuscaloosa. LSU Florida canceled uh, or postponed, I should say. Vanderbilt, Missouri postponed as well. That leaves one that kicks off early in Knoxville. Tennessee, a six-point favorite against Kentucky. Cats get their first win last week against Mississippi State, despite very little offensive production in that ball game. Does Kentucky make it two in a row, or should we start believing in Tennessee? Boy, Kentucky can win some ugly games. I mean, going back to last year when they wouldn't even try to pass more than five times in a game. But Tennessee might be one of those teams that's able to beat the teams they're better than, but just can't play with the you know the top two, three teams in, in the SEC. Uh, if you look at numbers, Kentucky, I mean, just 2.6 yards per carry this year. Passing, usually decent teams throwing in the eight, nine yards per pass attempt. They're throwing at just 3.5 yards per attempt, only four for 14 on third down attempts. And this offense for Kentucky is horrible here. And um, uh, they, I just think that Kentucky's defense, ranked number eight, uh, now facing a more balanced team than Mississippi State last week might have some trouble here. So Tennessee won the game last year, 17-13, with only 18 minutes of possession. I, I think they're going to be able to uh, uh, control the ball here, and I like Tennessee. I think, like I said, I think they're much improved over uh, early last year. Give me Tennessee, 27-17. All right, so that means uh, yeah. Ole Miss as a road favorite covering, Texas A&M covering as a road favorite, Tennessee covering as a favorite at home, same thing for Alabama Tell me about this game of the week with Auburn and South Carolina. Yeah, should be is an important game. Uh, two teams. I mean, Will Muschamp's coaching for his 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 life, and I think he's got to have a winning record to to stay next year. And and Auburn, who knows? I mean, Gus Malzahn's done nothing this year with this team. I mean, they've got some really good receivers, but they've got to get the offense going. So this should be a really good matchup. They want to get it for free. Eight hundred, four hundred. Nine seven four one. Be one of the first ten callers. Eight hundred four hundred 
nine seven four one to get that game. Like I said, seven games, just seventy seven dollars. We're going to keep on winning. Go right now, ParamountSports.com. Lee, we got time for a bonus pick. So, okay, how about how about one game from the NFL that you really like? as a bonus to uh, the folks that are listening on Sports Talk Mississippi. Okay. Well, I, I like the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Uh, I mm. really respect what Cleveland's done, uh, plus eight in turnover ratio. That's why they're 4-1 this year. But I thought Pittsburgh just didn't bring it last week against Philadelphia. I think they were looking ahead, you know, based on the helmet-throwing game last year. And they have 20 sacks in four games. And even though Baker Mayfield's played great this year, just three interceptions in five games, uh, that's the defense. They really are sophisticated on defense. Um, he may not see the safety a couple times or the linebacker coming from the weak side. He can be fooled. So this might be the game. He throws a couple interceptions, and I like the fact that Pittsburgh and, and Chase Claypool is really coming around at receiver. He and Juju, uh, nice duo, and I think Ben Roethlisberger, only one interception, really looks good. So uh, I'm going to take Pittsburgh here. Uh, I'm going to go with all five favorites. I can't remember last time I did that. Pittsburgh oh, wow. uh, in a uh, in a in a shootout. Well, uh, not literally. Uh, Pittsburgh 35-27 over Cleveland. All right, and Pittsburgh's a three and a half point favorite in that yep. game. ParamountSports.com. That is where you go. Seven picks this weekend for just seventy-seven dollars. Be sure to check it out. Lee, thanks so much. Thanks, Richard. Have a great. Weekend. You as well. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. We will be right back. Hey, if you haven't had to dig into your closet yet for uh, for a coat, might want to do that before you go to bed tonight. Looks like tomorrow morning, probably going to need it. And that's got Hey Dad smiling. Tomorrow is official Hey Dad weather. Sunny and high in the 60s. Beautiful. Maybe you could do a uh, vest season, you say? Oh, yeah. It's the best season. Let's see. The uh, the I mean, the forecast for Starkville this weekend is great. Tomorrow, high of 65. Going to be in the uh, upper 30s, low 40s when you wake up in the morning. (laughs) Saturday in Starkville, preemptive nice, high of 69, low of 47, sunny, no chance of rain, a wind out of the southeast. We'll just call it a breeze, seven miles an hour. Beautiful. Cannot it would be wait. a day to have 61,000 in the stadium. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, be cooking out Sunday. I can't wait. Oh, what's going on the grill this weekend? I'm doing one of those, uh, and Borky knows this, the Mississippi pot roast. I'm going to do one of those. I'm excited. Okay. Mississippi pot roast on the grill. Yeah. I may have to bring it. I, I don't know, but i got to check... I don't have a cast iron Dutch oven. Yeah. I don't know if the ceramic one will work on the grill. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. If anybody's out there that knows the answer to that question, Texas. <sighs> Just cook it the way you do your do your lasagna. You'll be okay. Well, that's all in the oven. I don't want to do that. I want to put some smoke. Nah, on. I know. Um, Fayetteville on Saturday for Ole Miss and Arkansas. High of seventy, sunny and windy. 22-mile-an-hour wind on Saturday in Fayetteville. So we'll see. Let's uh, let's go back to the name, image, and likeness story. 
So we're talking about the things that student-athletes could do as proposed by the NCAA. Promote private lessons and business activities and operate their own camps and clinics, as long as they don't use school marks. Profit from endorsing products through commercials and other ventures, as long as they don't use any school marks or reveal the school in which they attend. Be compensated for autograph sessions, as long as they don't occur during an institution event or competition, and no school marks or apparel is used during the sale of the material. Solicit funds through crowdfunding, such as GoFundMe, for nonprofit or charities, catastrophic events, family hardships, and educational experiences, such as internships. It's good. Gives the opportunity for student athletes to use their platform for good. It does also serve as a reminder that up until now, if a college football player's sister, for example, got diagnosed with cancer and they wanted to put a GoFundMe out there, it's technically against the rules. So, Or if, uh, let's see here. Let's go back to when Brian Dozier was playing baseball at Southern Miss. If Brian Dozier had wanted to raise money for Blair Batson Children's Hospital in Jackson, could not have done it. She will be able to now. Am I reading that correctly? I believe so, yes. So, uh, that is, uh, that's a good thing. But there are restrictions as to what products an athlete can endorse. The legislation would prohibit athletes from engaging in activities involving a commercial product or service that conflicts with NCAA legislation, including sports wagering and banned substances. So then explain why the University of Colorado in their athletics department has a partnership with a local sports book. I was just about to say, the University of Colorado <laughs> has a relationship with a sports book. NC State licenses a beer. Yep. In fairness, on the whole, and, and this was missed, and, and people might say, okay, well, you're really getting off in the weeds on this. It's not the university proper that has a relationship with a sports book. It is the media rights holder for the University of Colorado that has a relationship with the sports book. I think. Ah, Am I getting that right, Borky? Yeah, but I mean, what's the difference at the end of the day? No, you're right. I mean, because the media rights holder is representing the university. Yep, and you have a Colorado logo next to a sports book logo. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the the beer thing is fascinating, or or alcohol in general, because that would be one of the things. Um, Why are you stopping a 21-year-old athlete from endorsing alcohol they're legally allowed to consume it in all 50 states i mean like i said nc state literally licenses their logo to a beer company you can go buy an nc state beer with the the cool looking dog face on it it's awesome and every school should try to do it but it's a wolf you know whatever but it doesn't look like a wolf it's all cartoony and it, it looks more like a dog if you saw it they're basically the same thing splitting hairs the point is a 21-year-old college athlete should be allowed to endorse a beer company because they are legally allowed to consume it. If, if you wanted to make that restriction, I'd be all for it. 19-year-olds can endorse beer. I'm cool with that. That's fine. They can't legally drink it. 
that's fine. But once you become 21, you should be allowed if Budweiser comes calling. If Miles Brennan wants to endorse a beat of beer in the state of Louisiana, you're saying he should be able to. If he's 21 years old and up, yes, I, I do believe that should be the case. Here's the one that's kind of fascinating to me. An institution can prohibit an athlete's involvement in name, image, and likeness activities that conflict with existing institutional sponsorship arrangements or other school values. I'm going to throw two things at you. Arkansas is a Pepsi school. If Arkansas has a Heisman candidate and Coke wants to endorse him, can't do it. I'm kind of being funny with this one. It's quarterback's name at BYU. Zach Taylor. Is that right? That sound right? We talked about, about him yesterday. A really good number so far. Wilson. Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson wanted to endorse Starbucks, could he? That's a good question. Probably not. Probably not. No Milo's tea for him either. Hmm. I get why this is in place. I mean, you're protecting the universities here. There is an issue at play. This is a proposal by the NCAA that could be superseded by legislation, which, by the way, the NCAA asked Congress to enact. Careful what you ask for. What about uh, products I'm that not might sure be that... deemed... A little just, just finishing that thought, hey, Dad, just, just, okay. just real quick. I, I wonder if the NCAA is going to say, yeah, you can't put that kind of restriction on there. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was, like, I was thinking about podcasting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Remember a few years ago, the kid from Central Florida had a YouTube channel that they had yeah. to, that he lost. So let's say Matt Corral wants to host, you know, the OK Corral podcast. And he gets a sponsorship from the same company that everybody else. By the way, that was really good. Thank you. When y'all were talking about it yesterday, was was it Staples or whoever? I said the I was thinking the OK Corral, and I couldn't get it out. Uh, anyway, almost every podcast, not mine, but has a uh, has a uh, sponsorship from Manscaped. Can a can mm-hmm. a college athlete do that or Blue Chew or something like that? You know, hey, they got a product center. I'm just saying. I wonder if those will those will get a. Uh... If personal hygiene is risque, then we need the legislators to go ahead. <laughs> I mean, and I do agree. This. I agree. I'm just saying. So, or just something. Matt like Corral that, you know? podcast touchdown at the OK Corral. Uh, well, that's a million dollar idea. You just made Matt Corral a million dollars right there. That is well. I mean, w- we did. We did. I just just tweaked your Touch, idea. I mean, you're telling me right now that Matt Corral can host touchdown at the OK Corral. Oh, it's that's that's it's you're just printing money. If I can get to about seven feet of him, maintain social distancing on Saturday, no, and it's not know. like in a critical moment of like, hey, we were talking about you on the radio this week, yeah, and I got an idea for you. I swear, if he says I don't get that reference, I'm I'm gonna come punch him when I when I come for the. Well, exit. I mean, it's not like the OK Corral is mainstream today. But he should have seen Tombstone. <laughs> I mean, he should have. He's a man. Mm. 
think you guys don't this... realize how old you are. Have you seen Tombstone? No. You just, I mean, this respect are you serious? went like this. It just, it's going oh, down. Oh, Borky. You guys are... That one's worth watching. How have you not seen... It's on no, no, no. TNT I'm, I'm not, like I'm every not getting week. on to you from like, oh, we're old, you're young, whatever. I'm just telling you, that's a really, really good movie. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. But like, Matt Corral, for example, is half your age. Literally. I mean, how is he supposed That's to a classic. get some of your references? It's a He's classic. too busy hitting up Liv Cowherd on Instagram. You know, that's kind of more of his speed right now. So. Just telling you, touchdown at the OK Corral, hosted by yes. Matt Corral. That is a winner. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. I just had to do a little Google digging during the break. I was looking at the cast from Tombstone, which, by the way, was really, really good. Headed by Kirk Russell and Val Kilmer. But I got to thinking, I was looking at a picture of Virgil, who was played by Sam Elliott in Tombstone, Mm -hmm. and I thought, hold on a second. Is Sam Elliott also... The cowboy character, the older cowboy character in Yellowstone. Have you watched Yellowstone with Kevin Costner on Paramount? I haven't seen that, no. I hear it's good, but I haven't watched it. It's good. And Is it him? It's not the same person. Forey Smith, who is actually a Montana native and a real-life cowboy who plays the role of a real-life cowboy in Tombstone. I'm sorry, in Yellowstone. His name's Forey Smith. He plays Lloyd. I was trying to figure out one of the great guy characters. I mean, just just I can't I don't know if I can use that word, but he's he's a bad man. Loves like regardless of what role he plays. Yeah, I mean, think about him in Roadhouse. Great. I mean, just he's great everywhere. Filmography for uh, Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. He started working in the late sixties. It's still going today. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I just got off in a little bit of a, uh, got off in the ditch on that just a bit. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a Sam Elliott uh, detour. Yeah, and and it's not, I mean, they're not spitting image, but there is a, um, there's a striking resemblance. Bunch of people referencing the uh, the ranch. Steven says Sam Elliott is amazing in the ranch on Netflix. We also get one that says Sam Elliott was in the Big Lebowski. Yep. Dude. Yep. I'm younger than Borky and I've seen Tombstone at least a dozen times. It's on TNT all the time. Yeah. I don't watch cable TV. Whatever. Jeff says it's unfortunate that Matt Corral doesn't play for Southern Miss or his podcast could be called the Golden Corral Podcast. <laughs> As a golden Love eagle. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jim and Ripley says forget tom- uh, Tombstone. Go watch my darling Clement- uh, Clementine. Jacob says Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday, legendary performance. Easily his best performance. I was going to say there is a very strong argument to be that is the best role, uh, a very strong argument that that's the best role Val Kilmer's ever played. Oh yeah, 
I, I, you, you wouldn't get any argument out of me. Ooh, Vorky. You just thought people were uh, incensed that you had not seen Karate Kid? Did you ever get around to that? Nah. <laughs> nah. How many years are we into this where I've been being like, hey, dude, you got to watch Karate Kid. You just keep... Um, since the day I started here. Okay. Is it now like out of principle that you refuse to watch it? Nah, I just don't think about it. I'm just going to uh, shoot him the link one night. It's like, yeah. watch it right now. Chase and Summit says, pull Borky's man card for not seeing Tombstone. Borky always gets uh, just a little uh, incensed is not the right word, but he rolls his eyes when we start talking about movies that he hasn't seen that he should watch. He's like, I'll watch what I want to watch. Don't leave me alone. I, just, I, get I mean, it. I haven't seen it. I, I, whatever. I get it. Just saying. Scotty from Pontotox says, I'll be your Huckleberry. There you go. <laughs> is, uh, here we go. Is Kevin Costner's father character in Yellowstone? He says it's Dabney Coleman. I had that up just a second ago. Yep, 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 yep. I can tell you. It was a brief appearance. Uh, who is it? Yeah, Dabney Coleman. Played as uh, John Dutton Sr. in the season two finale. Say what? That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. The guy's in a lot of movies in the 80s. 87-year-old actor. Standout roles in Tootsie, You've Got Mail, and The Guardian. Am I going to put nine to five on there? Come on, man. Rolled out of bed, stumbled in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. For myself, a cup of ambition. Oh, how good is Dolly? Dolly. Ceasefire text line. Borky says the British baking show is better than Tombstone. I definitely said that many times. That's very much my brand. We've we've got clips. Hogman can't believe it's Thursday before Razorbacks and Ole Miss, and you guys are talking movies. We spent six minutes on a little bit of an offshoot at the end of the four o'clock hour with the college football fix Hogman no on y'all. the horizon. Come on, man! Just having a little fun. It'll Just be having right. a little fun. This will devastate Borky. Tell him I refuse to listen to Sports Sunday again until he watches Tombstone. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. The college football fix is just around the corner. Don't forget the ceasefire text line is open to you. It is currently incredulous with all the movies that Michael Borky has not seen. That's <laughs> where we have gone. Now, look, I am the first to admit, in terms of like pop culture movies, I'm not it. Y'all, you guys make fun of me all the time for references that I miss. You know, whether it's The Office or from, yeah, whatever. All, all, all the movies that my wife says are dumb and so I generally don't watch that, generally speaking, people laugh their rear ends off about. I haven't seen a lot of those. 
But I got some classics that I've knocked back as well, and you know, you should think so. I, I, I could not help, hey Dad, but laugh at the uh, message that we got on the ceasefire text line, which by the way is open to you at 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Don't forget, $100 off on an iPhone if you go to cspire.com or stop by in your local cspire store. You don't have to wait for a deal from the other guys. You can get 100 bucks off any iPhone. Not the iPhone 12, not out yet, uh, but 11 on down that's available at cspire. $100 off. Don't miss out on this opportunity. cspire.com or at your local cspire store. Uh, hey, Dad, I laughed at the message that said, I just got into my truck. Please tell me that Michael Borky has seen Lonesome Dove. So in the break, I said, hey, Borky, you seen Lonesome Dove? And he paused, and then he said, what's Lonesome Dove? Borky, what did you say? Yeah, I have no idea. I've never heard it before even said to me. I mean, hey, I'm so sorry I haven't seen movies that came out three years before I existed on this planet. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm 40-plus like these two guys over here. Not there yet. I I'm not 40-plus. I haven't even hit 30 yet. I mean, my I haven't seen a lot of... I mean, I haven't seen The Godfather all the way through. I haven't seen... Wait, are you seriously, you, you seriously aren't 30 yet? Uh, No. I'm out. I'm years away. Two years away. Still. I'm out. I'm out of this. I can't. I can't um, with this anymore. I haven't seen Breaking Bad all the way through. I've seen one episode of Breaking Bad in my life. It was the first one. Didn't grab me. That's fine. That's fine. Um, not Godfather. Uh, I have seen Roadhouse. So there's that. There you go. That's um, a good one. But man, I, like I spent my childhood. I was always. I, I was one of those kids that was never inside. And then once high school came, I, I always had something to do, whether it was practice or something. I was I was never had a free night. And then when I got to college, I was going out every night. And then after college, I got a job, and that's where I still to this day spend the vast majority of my focus is on my job. I've never really gotten a chance to sit down and, like, do this. More important, uh, hey, Dad, for Borky to see Lonesome Dove in its entirety or Tombstone. No, the answer is The Godfather. Finish The Godfather. Okay, that's fine. That wasn't my question. Tombstone. Okay. Borky, I, 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 if, if you ever have a Saturday, let's just say it's cold and rainy in the middle of the winter, and you're not just completely locked in on college basketball for the whole day, make a pot of chili and allot eight hours to watch Lonesome Dove. It was a miniseries that first aired on television over the course of four nights. It was four two-hour episodes. The cast included Robert Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, Danny Glover, Diane Lane, and others. And as I was scrolling through the full cast, I stumbled across something, hey, Dad, that I did not know. All right. James McMurtry played a role in Lonesome Dove. Does that name ring a bell? No. J James McMurtry, the kind of country rockabilly singer. Ever heard the song Choctaw Bingo? No. Okay. Uh, I, just, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I've heard Larry Indian McMurtry was a half Cherokee in Choctaw. Yeah, not not the same thing. Okay. Um, Larry McMurtry was one of the writers of Lonesome Dove. I wonder if James is his son. Anyway, 
We'll get out of this. I know there. I know there are people that are going crazy. There are the people that love this conversation, yeah. and then others who are like, you, "You got to be kidding me! Give me something else." Yeah, the others are in the minority, though. As long as the, you know, we have a three-man party here. As long as the three of us are cool with it, we we can do whatever we want. Yeah, I think we struck a chord, which is a good thing. I say we. I struck a chord, the, the, which the is a chord good thing. is everybody hates Borky. Well, everybody can get behind that platform. Okay, Borky, this is fair. This is fair. The excuse that movie was made before I was born isn't a good one. Do you not listen to music that's before you were born? I mean, I'm playing... The majority of Led Zeppelin's catalog was before you were born. I'm playing music today that was exclusively uh, made when my parents were toddlers. But that that just means that I didn't see them all. Like I said, I've seen Roadhouse, for example. Top Gun is my favorite movie. My dog is named after Maverick from Top Gun. Like, I've seen older movies... It's just if you throw out a bunch of them at me, I'm not going to hit 100% because they came out when yeah. I was either in diapers or before I existed. That's all. Dan- it's not that Dances I... Dances with oh, Wolves? I've, seen, I've the, seen Dances with Wolves. I, I've, I have seen Braveheart as well. Oh, okay. Just so I have seen old movies. That's all, I, that's all I really want. Just not all of watch them. That. You just watch The Godfather and everything will be okay. And you, I don't, need, you need to watch it anyway. It teaches a lot of life lessons and business lessons. And I've got a problem committing <laughs> to series. Like somebody on the text line is trying to convince me to watch Breaking Bad. I, I'm i sure it's incredible and it won all kinds of awards. I, I'm For some reason, I'm so picky with it. Like I loved Game of Thrones and it makes me a super nerd, I'm sure. But I couldn't get into Breaking Wasted Bad right away. eight years of your life. Right I know, there. right? The ending was just tragic. Um, for the first few seasons of Walking Dead, I loved, and then it fell off a cliff, and I couldn't yeah, commit to same, it anymore. Same, same. It, I, I'm just weird like that. And when they left Alexandria, I was like, done. I can't do yeah. this anymore. And Tell I do study a lot for. for for this show, if you can believe it. I know a lot of people don't, but I do sit down and spend a lot of time uh, making sure I don't sound like a complete fool on these airwaves every day. It doesn't work, but I, I try my hardest to be well-studied for this. <laughs> so the built-in joke there was, so what's the excuse? I know, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, it is time right now for the College Football Fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can get behind the wheel of one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. So we talked briefly about this earlier today. AL.com with the story. Nick Saban speaking with reporters yesterday. After practice, said that uh, they were still researching, they being Alabama, the rules on coaching a game after testing positive for COVID-19. Turns out not favorable for someone hoping to coach a team remotely while he could handle practice duties from home on Zoom. Yesterday, the NCAA rules interpretations prohibit remote coaching on game day. Steve Shaw, national coordinator of officials, says rule... Steve loves doing this. He loves this. Rule 1-4-11-B, again, 1-4-11-B, is very specific and allows only voice communication between the press box and the team area. 
Therefore, in a situation, uh, the coach could not call into the press box or the sideline for anything related to coaching purposes. This prohibition would begin at 90 minutes before the scheduled kickoff when the officiating crew assumes jurisdiction of the game and would include the time between periods, also known as halftime, until the end of the game when the referee declares the score final. I've never seen the referee actually, well, I mean, I guess I have. Like sometimes you'll have the referee come on his mic and be like, the game is over. Is there an official declaration that the score is final by the referee at every single game? Does no, he have to sign some card when he gets into the official's locker room or into the <laughs> into the van? Mistake? When, when they jump into the van with the police escort to race them back to their hotel after the game, does he have to sign a little card that says, it's, uh, it's officially final? Six-point yeah. penalty, and they didn't sign the card correctly. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe so. They do do it when there's a penalty, though. You're right. They're like, uh, the game is over. Like, yes. I knew that, Chief. Thanks. Yeah. Holding on the defense, 10-yard penalty. It is declined. Time has expired. The game is over. And then hightail it to the van for the police escort. We never heard anything about Mark Stoops grabbing the official after the uh, Ole Miss we game. Did we? Yeah. Must have gotten he was hot. set aside. He certainly was. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We will be right back. My first CD ever. Not a bad first one. Not at all. You got me wondering what mine was. Borky, were CDs still a thing when you were born? I had a few, yeah, up until... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding. I was just Middle school, it. I think, is when, when the first iPod, like, digital MP3 player came out. Yeah. You still got CDs, I did? No. Getting rid of all of them? I got them all, yeah. It was only downhill after that, by the way, because Led Zeppelin IV is the greatest rock and roll album ever assembled. I I was, I I mean, I'm not the Led Zeppelin guy that either of you are. But I do think, without question, it's the best Led Zeppelin album ever. And others, you know, not only do you have Black Dog, but you've got Stairway to Heaven, and you've got The Battle of Forevermore, and... It's uh, pretty strong. Yeah, one was pretty good, too, for a bunch of 19-year-olds. <laughs> Not bad. And what was I doing uh, at 19? Not that. You have uh, you got college football tonight. Georgia State at Arkansas State. Arkansas State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in the game. If you want to watch it, it'll be Matt Berry, Mike Golick Jr., and Tara Talmadge on the broadcast. You also have Major League Baseball tonight. As the playoffs roll on, game underway right now, three to one, Houston leading over Tampa Bay in the bottom of the third. Games on TBS if you want to watch it. So Houston jumped out to a three games. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay jumped out to a three games to none series lead. Houston got a win yesterday. 
They are leading today. Obviously, Tampa Bay, even if they lose this one, has got two more chances to advance to the World Series. But I wonder when the get-nervous point is. Because the get-nervous point for Atlanta arrived about 15 minutes after first pitch yesterday, leading two zip in the series. And immediately you had the people that said, well... At least we didn't give up 10 in an inning like we did last year. It was 10 last year against the Cardinals. This year, 11 in the first and went on to get no, no, drilled. No, we, got a, uh, a message, uh, we got a message We got a message just a second ago, or just a few minutes ago, from an Atlanta Braves fan that said, uh, hey, guys, just wanted you to know my anxiety level on a scale of 1 to 10 is currently a 14 Ooh. as a Braves fan. Hashtag chop on. The what pucker did- level is high. What is the equivalent to a twenty-eight to three lead in a Super Bowl? Is it a two-zero series lead, or does it have to get no, to three? Three-one, three-one, three-one is the equivalent. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because it had never happened before, and then it happened. Yeah, now it's happened what twice? Well, no, that was those were both three-zero. Well, I'm right? the, the the no Warriors Cavs was three-one. Yankees were up 3-0, weren't they? They were. Yeah, they were up yeah. 3-0 against the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yeah. That's worse than 28-3. Yeah. So we'll go with 3-1. Yeah. So not there yet, but, you know, close. They need to win tonight. They need, they need to do that. For America. Or at least for Atlanta. We are all Dodgers. Braves. Yeah, I hear you. Dodgers, Braves. Braves the 2-1 series lead. 7-0-8 first pitch. Uh, who's pitching tonight for the Dodgers? Oh, Clayton Kershaw gets the start. So he was scratched from game two, did not pitch yesterday. All right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's Clayton Kershaw Gonna get the against Bryce Wilson. That's a done deal. You think so? With Kershaw? What month is it? Yes. By the way, the Dodgers are minus 220 on the money line and minus one and a half on the run line. Yeah, Total in this game is nine. All right, so I've thrown out some I've thrown out some numbers for you. You've got Arkansas State minus three and a half at home tonight against Georgia State. You got the Dodgers minus two twenty on the money line. You've got the total of nine in Braves Dodgers. We owe you a Pearl River Resort pick of the day. It's brought to you by the Pearl River Resort Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Thinking about a road trip? Not a bad place to uh, make it. Don't you know, Borky, don't you know that Dancing Rabbit right now, oh my goodness, fall golf, maybe the best golf. Leaves turning, going to be nice and cool this weekend. So give or take... Saturday would be it. No clouds, high of 73, low of 59. So you show up to the course in the morning with a vest on, you take it off by about hole four, and it's the best day to play. Borky's obsession with vests is big, off the chart. Big vest guy. Especially when the weather changes enough when you're on the golf course and you can take it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. He gets you some sweater vests, too. This is why the people in San Francisco are so miserable, because the weather's amazing, and they think they're better than you because of it. I mean, I would if I got this every day.
Well, there's some other things about San Francisco that are a little less amazing. Like, uh, Nate, never mind. Yeah. And Although I think this state would probably agree with that state, but I'll just <laughs> I'll go ahead and leave that one for Gallo tomorrow at 6. In the morning. A lot, lot of things. All right, I'm going to let you guys pick. Pearl River Resort pick of the day. You like uh, you like the over on the total in Braves-Dodgers of 9? You like Dodgers on the money line at minus 220? Not a lot of value there. You can get the Braves plus 190. There's the pit. You think that's it, hey, Dad? The Braves are winning. Braves money line. There it is. Brian Haydad, who, by the way, has been terrible with his college football picks this year. My first baseball pick, though, so we'll see. Maybe I, maybe I find a niche. He, he's going uh, Braves plus 190 on the money line with Clayton Kershaw, a couple of days off a of scratch, getting the start. Had a buddy said, don't forget, Rock and Roll was on uh, Led Zeppelin Four as well. That's right. Uh, the He's whole right. album, man. That that's one of the. Four I don't going to California. It's all good. One of the only albums that I've ever heard that I don't skip at least one song. I listen to that when I put it on, especially on road trips. I will listen to it all the way through and not even think twice about it. Have we uh, have we got a line on the high school football game tonight that so many people are interested in? They're they're doing it the right way. I mean, he's Newman not on Booker social T. media. He's not doing interviews. I mean, he's only a sophomore, but. That recruitment I don't, I is don't going to be a circus. <laughs> I don't envy and, them at all. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast recently where, well, Georgia's the favorite for sure right now. If he had to sign today, he's going to Georgia for sure. Like, number one, no. Number two, <laughs> he's a sophomore. Like, he's getting his driver's license, and, and he had, probably has a little girlfriend. Like, he's not thinking about college right now. Are we really going to talk about this for just, three years? Come in, on. In the event that you happen Y'all to have are. no idea what it is that we're talking about, Arch Manning, son of Cooper Manning, is the quarterback for Newman Isidore. And Newman is playing Booker T. Washington tonight, and the game is on ESPN2. And it'll only just start the just chaos. And good for the family. They clearly have been through it, and so they get it, and they're helping him through it to avoid the mess, but that's all it's going to be for years is people talking about a 15-year-old's college decision that's three years out. I won't have to deal with it. I I, I know one school we could probably cross (laughs) off the list, even at this early stage in his recruitment. It doesn't really matter how many yards anybody throwing the football for Mike Leach puts up between now and then. I don't think that's happening. the most incredible thing? Can you imagine how that would go over? Like a lead balloon. Oh, my gosh. It, it would make the, the reaction. The speed limits up there. It, it would make the reaction to Peyton choosing Tennessee over Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would pale in response look like, to that. I mean, certainly. First of all, that happened in a non-social media yeah. era. I'm just picturing Arch Manning. Going under the table for a maroon and white baseball cap. Oh my god! <laughs> now just there, there, about there's it makes a, me laugh. P- potentially, just a troll, he could. Yeah, I mean, and do the oh no 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 way, and then put on whatever. I mean, if you're god. sitting here in 2020, and you're thinking about Arch Manning, what signing day at, 
And I can't imagine that it'll be a hat ceremony or no, it's, it's a skydiving not. video or anything else. Did you see the kid today? He made a no. movie. He made some sort of like five-minute long ninja movie and didn't actually say where he was committing. <laughs> he had a fight like a scene and everything. to all the logos and then it Ma- cuts away and you don't know. He has a pick. Maybe he was just trying to build up subscribers on his YouTube channel in anticipation of being able to monetize that a year from now. <laughs> Maybe. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thank you for being with us. Ceasefire text line open 601 879 4395. Kirk Herbstreet has a uh, podcast that he's on with uh, what, David Pollock and Kevin Nagandi from ESPN. And they got into some, uh, some kind of interesting con- conversation about the SEC and defense and whatnot. And they were debating whether or not this was a trend. Here are a couple of quotes from Herb Street. I think a bigger thing to take away from me, not just from that game, but the entire weekend, talking about Ole Miss Alabama, is probably what a lot of people around the country are talking about. It's what in the world has happened to the SEC's defense. This happened in the Big 12, which it does every week. We just roll our eyes and say, man, heck, is that great offense or bad defense? If you're a Big 12 fan, you say it's great offense. If you're kind of just an outside watching, you're like, man, that's hard to watch, the tackling. Well, Alabama 63, Ole Miss 48. Georgia put it on heavy against Tennessee. They scored 44, 41-38 with A&M in Florida. Auburn was somewhat of a shootout, 30-28. LSU Missouri was 45-41. He says, I mean, it's bizarre to see this conference having these kinds of results, and I think it's a few things. David Pollock said that more and more guys like Sark and Kiffin are in the SEC coaching offense. The overall trend of style of offense has changed over the last five to seven years. But Herbstreit says, I think it's the COVID. I love calling it the COVID. I think it's not having spring ball. I think it's not having a normal summer. I think it's not having a normal camp and hitting I think it's not having a normal week of practice. When you get ready to face an opponent, it's more walkthrough, it's more meetings. You're not hitting people as much. Buy into that because I feel like the SEC has been trending this way for the last two or three years. It has. And COVID's got to be a part of it as well because NFL games are scoring at a really high clip. Uh, the highest possibly ever if they continue on this trend. So maybe there's something to it, but we did an exercise years ago about quarterbacks in the SEC, and years ago it was awful, if you remember, going back to just the roster of quarterbacks across the league four or five years ago. Look at it now. I mean, even the unproven guys, but but look at the, the talent and the schemes they're running now versus just a few years ago. The SEC has evolved some, they're more talented at the position, and so they're producing more on top of everything else as well. Pretty much every rule change in college football for the last at least five years, maybe the last decade, 
has has favored the offense. Yeah. And that's a trend that started in the NFL with yeah. protecting quarterbacks and look, I mean you you can debate what role television really has in this. But TV doesn't like 9 to 6, 13 to 10. As an occasional aside, okay. But as a general rule, and 63-48 may be a little over the top, but 45-41, that sells. 35-31. I mean, that's a reasonable yeah. score these days. Real quick, breaking news. Um, guess where Le'Veon Bell just signed? Please be somewhere funny. The Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. It's funny. Watch him rush for like oh my gosh. 1,200 yards the rest of the way. So on Does top Clyde of Edwards, Hilaire become the backup? No, I don't think so. Nah, but but now on top of Mahomes and Kelsey and that group of receivers and that offensive line and Clyde Clyde Edwards Hilaire, they add Le'Veon Bell. Mm. Golly. Anyway, sorry that just broke and I, I had to get that in here. Fine. All good. Will there be a? Um... Will this ever go back the other way? Oh, no. No. I mean, well, I'll say this. In terms of the rules, no. But eventually defensive coordinators will figure out ways to slow down offensive. I, I, I'm waiting, I think, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years. I don't know if I'll be alive to see it, but we'll see. Uh, I think you're going to see offenses go back to being run heavy. They're going to put so much speed on defense that they're going to say, like, why don't we just put some maulers out there and run over these kids? I think that's I think that's coming. I'm not saying a full like return to the wishbone or anything like that, but I can see more power offenses down the road. You know the thing that's offensive football has always been an evolution, right? I mean, from from the four horsemen to the triple option to the veer to you know the West Coast offense was a thing for a little while. And there was run and shoot. Then you had in the Early '90s, kind of the the not the evolution, but the birth of the air raid, and in so many ways, you've got elements of the veer and the wing tee that are rolled into what's happening on the football field right now. Now there obviously are more layers to it, with the run pass option as part of it, and then you go to Andy Staples' article. Earlier this week, and if you really dive into that and you look at some of the the film and some of the still shots that he put in there, this relatively new concept of taking your receivers and splitting them out so wide that you force the defense to do things that it doesn't want to do. And that's what about success. I mean, people can tell you success on offense is about chasing space. Success on offense is about figuring out ways to... Make the defense do something it doesn't want to do so that you can do what you want to do. And Andy Staples wrote pretty extensively in that article about free yards. And he talked about formationally what Ole Miss was doing and the way that Alabama had to line up or the way Florida had to line up, where at the snap of the ball, it was a given that as long as Matt Corral made the right read – you were looking at a four, five, six-yard game yeah. at the snap. 
simply because of the numbers and how they have to cover things. And the only way to fight that, in my opinion, is with pressure. It's just to say, we don't care. We're going to hit the quarterback every play until he quits. But you can't do that in college well, football. I'm not, say, I'm not saying you you know, you got to hit him illegally or anything, but you can get some shots in. And, but see, just, I don't you know, think you can. I, I think that's part of the beauty. I, if you notice, that, I mean, outside of what Mississippi State's opener against LSU where there were, were seven sacks, mm-hmm. but part of the reason there were seven sacks in that game is because – there was so much predictability because of the score. LSU was left with no option right. but to drop Miles Brennan back, and their offensive line's not great. Yeah. But in terms of just everyday college football right now, sack numbers are lower than they have ever been because quarterbacks are getting rid of the football so quickly. Well, you just got to do what you got to do. And then bringing pressure should help you against the run, too, because you should have guys near the line clogging up running lanes. So, Depending on now, where you bring it from. Yeah, I I just don't see you're never going to be able to cover everybody, especially the way they're splitting guys out these days. Your your best bet, I think, is to I mean bring the house. If you can't cover them, you might as well pressure them. But aren't there? I mean, if a team's mo is we're just bringing pressure, Todd Grantham style, that'd be a great example, right? Yeah. So Todd Grantham brings lots and lots of pressure. What did Ole Miss mm-hmm. do? They lit Florida's defense up. Because that well, pressure so didn't get there very much. Point, yeah. Got it. That's, yeah, that's I mean, key. I just use Ole Miss as an example because yeah, I saw find, You've got to find a way to get home. If you can't, you're going to get lit up. Now, this would be a good question for Zach Arnett because so far, so good with his defense. Same with, I don't know who George's defensive coordinator. I assume it's Kirby Smart, but he probably has another guy. But, I mean, what are they doing? Now, with Kirby Smart, it's different because what is he doing? Well, he just has 11 five-star kids out there. And they just sort of take care of themselves. What's Zach Garnett doing with a bunch of three stars and low four stars? I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of who. I guess Pickering is probably the highest rated guy, but he's a backup. You legitimately got you know low four stars and high, mid th- mid to high three stars all over the place. So how are you doing it? It's got to be schematically. Dan Lanning is the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Okay, well, fundamentals sort of... are gone too, especially. From and back end guys, that's what I talked about. You know, earlier when Richards asked me about Mississippi State's defense, is that fundamentally they've been very good this year. They've made tackles. That's, that's a big part of it. Everybody wants to make the highlight hit, and instead, everybody wants to hit. Yeah. They don't want to tackle. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.